Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List, and I am happy that you are listening. I hope that you are also happy that you are listening. Right? Folks, it's becoming increasingly obvious that I should rehearse these intros, maybe write something down, get some thoughts together. I just rehit, rehit record. Rehit record? I don't rehit it. I should rehit it on this one because this is horrible. But I hit record. I start chatting. I'm here and uh, so are you. And we're all here. Be here now. Ram Das said that. Uh, folks, how are you doing? I hope you're well. We got some exciting news about COVID. They don't, it doesn't spread from asymptomatic, asymptomatic uh, people. And then five hours later, they were like, just kidding. These are confusing times. How are you doing with it? How are you holding up? It seems like we're back. New York is opening. The country's opening. I hear it's spiking in some states and New York had no cases, no new cases. I, I, I can't tell what the hell's going on here, but um, I'm here. I'm out in uh, Long Island and it's beautiful and sunny and breezy and warm and Sarah is here and we did stand-up paddle boards yesterday and swam in the pool and swam in the ocean. We're hiking. You know, I feel guilty. I'm having the time of my life. The whole world's coming apart, but we talk about it a little bit in this episode. You can turn it off. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. Maybe that's privilege or whatever, but you can uh, avoid social media and turn off the news for at least a few hours. I recommend it. Taking a break meditating, talking to some friends, loved ones, maybe making love. Who knows? Swimming, get into a natural body of water, a natural body of land if you have the means. Even if you're in New York, go to Central Park, the Ramble. Just keep your dog on the leash. <laughs> um, take a break. Take a break from it. You know, Maybe you're listening to this podcast, you're taking a nice walk. Maybe when you're done, you can call your best friend. Maybe call someone you haven't talked to in a while, check in. See how they're feeling. See how they're dealing with it. Um, I think that's important. Connections, relationships, and being your best self. We talk about that a little bit. My, my guest today is Will Sylvince, who you probably know if you're a big podcast fan or a New York comedy fan. Wonderful guy. He's a friend of mine. Obviously, I hadn't seen him in a while and hadn't talked to him in a while. And he's someone I've been wanting to have on the show since I started. We talked about him doing the show way back in uh, January. We were in Omaha together working. And um, I wanted him on the show. He's a fascinating guy. He's like just a good, kind-hearted person. Very wise, very well-read, opinionated in, in, in all the right ways. And he's thoughtful. And he's hilarious. He's also uh, uh, a boxer. And um, very, very healthy guy and a, a nice fella. And we talk a lot. We talk um, about his dietary changes and, of course, some mental health. And we start, we talk a little bit about race and the current situation environment. There's a very small amount of politics. My apologies. Just references. I know no one wants to hear it or whatever, but it was a good conversation. We recorded it first thing Wednesday morning, yesterday, if you're hearing this, the day it comes out. Um, and I woke up, I went for a run. It's a beautiful day here. I've been running every day, taking a couple of days off here and there for 
health reasons, but um, or whatever recovery reasons, you know. Anyways, woke up, ran, had a nice bagel, and uh, talked to Will. So it's been a pretty nice day. The birds are chirping out here, and um, if you get in touch with the the positive, get a little gratitude going. Things are okay, folks. I think it seems like things are getting better. And we talk about it. It's all how you approach it mentally. So I hope you're doing well physically. And I hope you're doing well mentally. I appreciate you listening. And um, yeah, thanks for being here. And let me give you a little quote from one of my favorite people that I highly recommend, Eckhart Tolle. You know him from his book, The Power of Now, which is one of the best books ever written, in my opinion. And anytime you're feeling a little squirrely or down, go to YouTube, type in Eckhart Tolle, watch a little bit of him. He immediately calms me. And here's a quote about gratitude. Acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. So do that, folks. Take a little time to be grateful. Maybe write down a gratitude list. And I can tell you that I am grateful that you're listening. And I'm grateful for all the kind emails and tweets and reviews. And I encourage you to continue to do that because it makes me feel good, which should make you feel good. Thank you and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Will Silvents. We're live. We are here with Will Silvents. Will's Watch rubbing his eyes. List, one of my favorite comedians. Thank you. I appreciate it. I miss you. I miss seeing you. I know. We don't see you. I mean, I mean, the whole world just got shut down. The whole world hit a reset button. What do you think? It feels like it's starting to come back, though. Are you ready? Are you nervous? Where are, you, where are your anxiety levels with COVID? Um, I think I already had it. <laughs> my, um, my only concern is that I don't spread it to anybody else. Like, my loved ones, you know, um, the older people in my life. Um, so I just don't want to give it to anybody. Yeah, if that's, I have it. that's my, if I have it, I, I can live with myself. I don't give a damn. That's my fear is going home and seeing my mother and then she dies three days later and I have to live with that. Yeah, that sounds so sad. Just saying that. <laughs> no, she'll be fine. She, uh, she hates me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love her. Well, thanks for doing the show. As you know. Uh -oh, I'm hearing I'm hearing feedback. I don't know if that's on my end or your end or that's getting recorded. Um, let, hold on. All right. For some reason when I'm talking, it sounds squirrely. I, I just turned off my ceiling fan. Does that help? Maybe. I don't know. It felt more like technical than that. I don't know what it is. I'm using a weird microphone, but I can hear you. You can hear me, right? Yes. I, my refrigerator door is open. Shall I go and close that? <laughs> Is it really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, like, no, for some reason, I'm hearing like feedback on my end. I don't know why. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. If you can hear me all right, I can hear you. I can hear you, yes. All right, great. Well, as you know, I've been wanting you on the podcast. I remember talking about it when we were in Omaha together, when we went bowling, which was a fun night. Oh, yeah, that was a fun night. I, I want, were you on my side or was it each man for themselves? I think it was every person for themselves. And yeah. I know Louis, I got to keep this quiet because he's here, but he came in dead last. He stunk it up. That's what I remember. Yeah. He was doing good though at first, remember? Yeah, like I think early on. And you're a lefty. You're a very uh, 
un, un, unconventional bowling style. Yes, I'm not sure that's good or bad, but yes. Um, but no, that was fun. But I've been wanting you on because you're a fascinating guy to me because your physical health is such a, um, uh, what do you say, a paramount in your life. Can we talk a little bit about how you used to be unhealthy and now you're extremely healthy and conscious of your diet? Yeah, I was, um, I was skinny for a while. Then I, then I gained weight, especially after my mother died in 98. And then I, I just let myself go. But I, I, was, I always had health in the back of my mind. You know, I think most people, we, we want to be healthy and we want to buy a house and we want to live a good life. But that's in the back of your mind. But it's like, when does it come to the front of your mind? When, is, when does it become the now? And uh, I had three wake-up calls that, that maybe changed my life. I did a show somewhere, and this girl, when I got off stage, everybody was saying, good show, good show. And I had this tank top on, right? But, you know, when you wear a tank top, you just think, you know, you think you're badass. So I had this tank top on, but my body was not the best. And so I, got, I get to the girl, and she says, she says, instead of saying good show like everybody, she said, either wear a shirt, or wear the tank top without the stomach. And it didn't hit me, I didn't get it at first. I said, what? And then I was like, are you trying to call me fat? I didn't say, this was all internal. And then and the only thing I could think of was like, but, but you're dating me, <laughs> you know? I had no comeback for that. I just felt down. And then the other call, the other, the other wake up call was, um, uh, I, I was uh, at a hotel in Colorado, five-star hotel. They have mirrors everywhere. And whenever I get to a nice hotel, I just walk around butt naked, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure that you do the same. I do, I do that I a little bit. I do it at home, quite frankly. That's how I wake my wife up. <laughs> I walk over and just kind of stand there ding. naked. So that's like the first thing she can start her day with. Ding dong, wake up. <laughs> so so um, I was brushing my teeth and I looked, I looked in the mirror and in the mirror, I saw someone broke into my hotel room. <laughs> and I was like, what the? And as I look, I'm like, and he's naked. And wait, that's me. I didn't recognize my back fat. My back was just a lump of clay, like a big piece of ham. You know ham? You ever yes. see ham? No definition, nothing. That was my back. That's um, a depressing thing. And we talked about this recently, but I was at a hotel with friends and I would stand in the, as like a bit, like it was a high rise, it was in Chicago and I stood naked in the window, which is probably like a me too situation now, but I stood naked <laughs> in the window over the city and I had my friend take a photo and this is before, this is like disposable cameras. So it wasn't an instant picture. He took a photo of me from behind naked and like two weeks later we got the photo and I was appalled. What it was just, the purpose of that picture? To be funny, I thought it was gonna be funny and silly to have, you know, I'm standing like Superman on the windowsill naked, but looking at it, my back just dripped. It was like it was melty. <laughs> it was just like a back smear. And there was like no clay, lines. Like, like clay in the summertime. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I know that feeling of like, all right, I gotta get it together. So I put on a robe, right? And then I, I was so sad and depressed and I would just brush my teeth, watch the TV, and I saw a thing where, like, there was like uh, I forgot who some athlete who was still playing sports at forty at forty four or something. And at the time, I was like thirty. I'm like, damn, he's still playing sports at forty four. And so that's when I realized 
Because at first I thought it was, I'm just getting old. I'm getting old. But when I saw that all that that story, I'm like, no, it's is is all mental. It's like I gotta change my lifestyle. I gotta change my diet. And the final thing was, I was living with Patrice O'Neill, and I got sick. I had I got sick really bad. I was vomiting, a fever, you name it. I had everything, right? And then after four weeks or five weeks, Patrice said, yo, dude, call your doctor. I'm like, my doctor? I don't have a doctor, you know? You know what I'm saying? Dr. NyQuil, Dr. Advil, that's about it. And then he said, yo, well, just go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room, and then the doctor finally, the they, they finally put me in just on that bed with the with that hard toilet paper. You know what I'm talking about? That hard toilet paper. Oh, you like the deli sandwich thing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the deli. The, <laughs> and then so from 3 a.m. all the way to 12 noon, that's when the doctor finally came to see me. So I was laying on that thing from 3 to 12. And then he just came in. He barely touched me. And he said, oh, you got the flu. And they gave me the the, the, the the hospital version of NyQuil, and that worked. I'm not sure if that worked or because I was at the house. You know how, like, when you ever get to the hospital, all the symptoms go away. You know, yes. wait, wait, come to my house. I, I, I'm more sick at the house. Yeah, completely. That's, I mean, that's like meant that mental to physical thing. You're me- mentally, you feel better as soon as you think you've taken some action, which I think works with everything, whether it be depression or being fat, like, you feel depressed because you feel overweight. You go for a run and eat a nice salad. Immediately, you're like, I think I'm getting better. I think like all it takes is just a little bit of action. Like so going to the hospital, immediately you feel better because you're like, I'm in the right place. It's like the sugar pills. Remember the sugar pills? I was giving people sugar pills and they thought they was getting better. They feel feeling better. <laughs> yeah, like a yeah, placebo thing for sure. Yeah. So, um, and that was it. And I got a bill a month later and the bill was like $5,000. And I was like, what, what am I doing with myself? I can't afford to be sick. I can't afford to be unhealthy. And, and you know, I'm not getting younger. It's only going to get worse. So I decided to change my diet, change my lifestyle, not diet. Because I tried many diets and diets didn't work. So I just started chipping away like small, small things. Like it started in 2006. I just gave up all, all, all drinks. And just water and green tea, and green tea with no sugar. If you had, if you add any sugar to green tea, it cancels the antioxidants. A lot of people do not understand that green tea is useless when you put any kind of sugar additive, whether it's agave, honey, brown sugar, whatever. It's it, it's useless. You might as well just drink a big glass of Kool Aid. Well, I got a glass of uh, green tea right here with nothing in it except for green tea, and I drink three cups of green tea a day or more, sometimes three or four. This is something we've bonded over before. I drink water and green tea exclusively. I quit Coke, uh, cold turkey about a year ago, last February. Co- wait, Coke? Coca-Cola. Coke, I still do blow for sure. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I drink, I'm the same as you now. Coke and, I mean, uh, no Coke, water and green tea only, which tea, I feel... It has physical health benefits, but do you feel a mental health benefit from drinking green tea? There's something about the process of boiling it, steeping it, sitting there. You first the sip. Smell. Yeah, exactly. You smell it. It takes an hour. It slows you down. I feel like starting my day with a, a, a mug of green tea really helps me with my day. And it sounds crazy, but yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like it changed your mood. It, 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 I, feel, I, I don't have the right words. I'm not smart enough to tell you the right words, but yes. 
something happened chemically when you start treating yourself better health-wise or you start taking care of yourself or being more healthier. You know what I'm saying? I can't explain it, but I feel it. You is there. I'm not crazy. It's not like it's in my head. It's not the placebo effect. It really happens. So well, what do you, do you do anything consciously for your mental health? Like I know you do a lot of physical things which benefit your mental health, but are you a meditator at all? You don't go to therapy. No, I don't do none of that. <laughs> but um, I, not, not long ago, maybe long ago, I just started being more conscious and aware of, of placing blame on other things but myself, you know? So I stopped pointing the finger and I stopped pointing the finger at me. Because if you, as long as you point the finger at other things, then that means, well, I'm, I'm great. The world needs to change. You know, but then when I started pointing the finger at me, then I started changing and I started, you know, being aware, okay, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the reason why I'm depressed. I'm the reason why these things are happening, nothing else. You know, so I, I have to make changes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's like, that is what changed my life. When I quit drinking, I became sort of actively sober and that was like a big part of it is where am I at fault in this? Is kind of seeing your own, your own role in everything because I was like that. I felt like everything was happening to me. The business right. hates me. You know what I mean? This, my girlfriend is mean to me. My parents are, the, everything's happening to me. And I started examining where I'm at fault. And it was uh, a lot of, something, some things are not your fault, obviously. But, right, right. but, but I, I feel like I tried to take a lot of blame so I could, because I always want to be better. I feel like, you know, like I don't want to be stuck in my ways. I want to be stuck locked in. I always want to have an open mind and learn and constantly grow until I die. Wow, that's, you brought it to death. Jesus, Will. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Don't bring up death. Now, I want to talk also, so when you, you eat healthy, I, I keep hearing this feedback. As healthy as I can, huh? I keep hearing this feedback from my microphone. Maybe it's the shitty microphone I'm using. Maybe I should unplug this microphone. Do you hear it? When I talk, do you hear like echoey? No, not at all. Maybe that's only in my thing. I sound good to you. Yes, you do. All right. God, maybe I'm, this is, this is part of the show. It's a show about... <laughs> Mental health and anxiety, and the whole time I'm losing my mind that we're not getting the proper audio. And it's about learn to do a microphone check before the show. <laughs> well, I did do a I'm microphone joking, check. Joking. It sounded fine. I mean, hopefully my producer can figure it out and work with it. I don't know. When I talk, it sounds feedbacky, but if you're not hearing it. Um, but anyway, so you're, you eat, you're like... I, I, I eat as healthy as I can. Like my health, my diet change gradually and it's getting I'm, I, and I'm making it get better and better it's not perfect obviously but you know my toughest fight right now is with sugar you know like although it's like vegan sweets but it's still sweets it's still sugar so I'm working on cutting down the amount of sugars I consume so I know also I've been switching from those sugars to like like fruits more fruits and I, I you know my goal is to try like a different food once a month Different, but you know, don't you run out of fruits eventually? No, there's tons of fruits out there in the world, man. We we just so used to certain fruits, you know. But there's a there's a gang of fruits and veggies. A gang of fruits it sounds like a gay street gang. <laughs> All right, don't get canceled. All right, you're right. You're right. I get nervous. Um, 
I forget what I was going to say. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about, because first of all, you're 78 years old. I mean, how old are you? You're in your 50s, right? I'm not my, my early 80s. <laughs> you're older, much older than you look and feel to me. You're like a rip, you're ripped up. You got six pack, the whole thing. Every muscle's tight. You're a fighter. How long have you been fighting for? Because I did a whole episode with my friend Diego. It was all about MMA and the relation with MMA and mental health. Tell me oh, about yeah, boxing. Yeah. How did you get I into feel boxing? Like box, boxing helped me with discipline. You know, like it's one because you know I tried to I tried to, to change my diet many times, but then when I started boxing, it's like fighters, man. They their mental is on a whole different level. Like 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 if you want to be good at this sports or this fighting, or you know just take boxing, like you gotta you gotta practice. You gotta practice. So practicing. Also includes you gotta change your diet because if you eat bad, you're gonna be sloppy, you're gonna be sloggy. So you gotta focus, is almost everything comes together. That makes sense? I'm not sure if I'm making any sense. But boxing helped me rethink the way I was doing things and everything. Like, and then also it just changed my mood. Like I, I used to slouch my, my, my back on stage and just, you know, I used to sweat a lot. I, used, I had low self-esteem, and so boxing came in, and it just made me lift my chin up, and and like not that I wasn't looking for a fight, but now I'm not afraid to fight anyone. Not that I was afraid before, kind of, but but now I feel like you know I have a fighting chance, no pun intended. But that's not it's not a it's not, and, but the thing is not even about fighting; it's just about taking care of yourself and feeling good. You know, I remember the first time I spar. Man, you ever sparred before? Yes. Sparring the first time, three minutes. I, I never again have I yelled at the TV at boxes of what to do because that three minutes it was hell. I was sweating. I was panting. I was, and my my trainer was yelling, "Keep keep your hands up, keep your hands." Just yelling at me. I'm like, what? And then as soon as the bell rang, I just dropped to the the floor. Just dropped. On the, on the in the ring. That's one round. You just did one round the first time. One round, and I was like, ah. Oh. And then, imagine doing that for ten rounds, nine more rounds of that. And say, well, in the old days they used to box fifteen rounds. Ali Frazier's a fifteen-round fight. And before that was twenty rounds. Well, that's insane. I mean, before that there was no gloves. <laughs> before that there was no rounds. There was no there was no bell. Just keep going to. But yeah, I mean, I I did a whole episode about MMA. I started training to do MMA and and fight, and same thing. That first experience of um, sparring, and all of a sudden you're getting punched in the face. And you do shadow boxing, and you watch fighters, and you go, "Oh, I can do that. I see what they're doing." And then when somebody's throwing punches at you, and this is at like ten percent speed, this guy's just showing me how to just tapping me, and I'm right. like, "This is insane." But what that does is uh, he had a quote, my trainer from that quote in the movie Fight Club, where it's like, once you're punched in the face, it turns the volume down and everything else. So <laughs> anxiety starts to go down once you've had somebody punching you in the face and kicking yeah, you in the leg. Once you get the punch in the face out the way, then you're like, okay, that's, but you keep, I feel like if you keep dodging it, it obviously, yeah, you want to die, you don't want to get hit in the face, but, but you don't want to be, um, 
flinching or like, you know, afraid to get hit. I feel like once I got hit in the face a couple of times, you know, I, I know this guy's power, I know this level, and, and I got that out the way, you know? Right. So do you consciously think of fighting as like a metaphor for life or you just feel the benefits from it subconsciously later and after? No, I, I think about it in, in life and, and different situations or like when I'm on stage, you know, like, you know, learn to breathe, learn to know when to attack, block, you know, it's, uh, eye contact is very important. Uh, I'm not sure in MMA, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not shitting on MMA. I just feel like boxing, you use more energy, but because I feel like MMA, you grab and hold someone, you, you can relax a bit. Whereas boxing is no relaxation. That's why boxers grab each other a lot and try and try and grab their breath and the referee come and break it up. This you is know, gonna be this is gonna be a controversial take. You're gonna be getting nailed with tweets on this one. I know. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I look, man. Look, both sports, both sports are great things. They but they, and they had their plus and uh, plus and minuses. So, pros and cons. Right. You no. Know, as far as mental health, though, they're both very beneficial. I think there's something very beneficial. Oh, yeah about physically like I'm a, I'm a runner I just went for a run today and I started running a lot more because of quarantine because my gym closed my MMA gym and my regular gym so I've been running what are you, are you still doing are you just shadow boxing and doing push-ups and shit or how do you work out during this time yeah yeah I'm just I, well I do just on a zoom workout with my trainer Stephen Frank online for now but it's I mean obviously it's, it's nothing compared to like in person but it's better than not doing that. I did nothing for like three months, <laughs> you know, um, March, April, May, end of May, I started doing the Zoom workouts and then I was a mess, just out of shape. I'm like, you know what, I, I should just continue doing something. You know, but then at the time I was not going outside. I didn't want to, you know, do anything. And the media was like making you stay inside and all this stuff. So it was, it was cool. But but now I'm getting back into it. I'm doing a bunch of Zoom stuff, and I'm and I'm feeling good, dude. Look, sometimes I'm not sure about you. Sometimes when you're training, you hate it. You like you can't wait till it's over. You're looking at the clock, but when it's over and you and you like, whoa, that was nothing. I did it. I, you feel good. Like there's a goodness about you, you mentally and physically. You know. I just did that just now. I ran because we're recording this in the morning. I wanted to get a run in. And so I started the run and like every run, everything that's like a good habit starts off with like, I don't feel like doing this. I was just listening to a podcast. Um, Sam Harris has a great podcast called Making Sense. And they were talking about how good, bad habits have, you feel good immediately. Like they have an immediate, like, like smoking a cigarette. Maybe you leave work, you get out for a minute, you take a break, you get some air, you, you, get a nicotine fix, maybe you chat with someone, it has an immediate good benefit. But if you do it over time, you're going to get cancer and die. Right. That, good habits are the reverse. Like you go to the gym and you work out and you just feel kind of sore and you're like, you look the same. You're just kind of like whatever. But over time, it's extremely healthy. So it's hard to... Oh, I know that. That's good to know. It's hard to recognize those things. Like eating a healthy meal isn't as fun as eating a cheeseburger and fries and a Coke, but it's a much right. better thing for you. Yeah, but... but oh, God, I hear police. <laughs> no, that's not me. You, you, you know, like, another thing is, like, um, like, I'm not sure what, you know, what else you did, but, like, I also did a colonic. You ever did a colonic? 
No, I've heard mixed reviews on colonics. Some people say they're very healthy, and some people say they're not healthy. I don't know about that, but I think they're great. I, I was against it at first because, you know, the whole put something up your butt, and I was like, what? I'm not doing that. But then I'm like, that's just ignorant thinking. That part of it I love. <laughs> and so when I did it, it was uncomfortable, but, man, it, it took all this gook out, and I felt good. I just – so, you know, look, I – I'm I'm not I'm for I'm for anything that's healthy. I'll I'll give anything a try that's healthy. You know, that's that's you know, so it's all about to me the goal is health. Like if it's if it's healthy or healthier, I'll try it at least once. Okay. You know? Then you've never taken a spin with meditation because I feel like you'd be someone that meditation serves well. I meditated, I just feel like <sighs> meditation is good, I think, for people whose mind is constantly running everywhere and they need to slow they need to hit the brakes and for people like me but i feel like medit like i meditate in my micro my micro meditation <laughs> right like i go through periods where i'm not thinking about nothing i just relax and calm and just close my close my mind but you know five minutes here ten minutes there a minute you know what i'm saying so i micro dose meditation I like that. I mean, that's important. I mean, that's essentially what mindfulness is all about is just taking a little break from the day, find your breath, focus on your breath and just kind of calm that thinking or recognize the thinking that you're doing and letting those thoughts pass. Because you seem like you're not a guy that's really obsessive. You're not like an OCD guy. I'm a, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I like, I like, I like a routine though. Like, if I if I get a meal that that's healthy and it tastes good, I'm gonna probably eat that same thing <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. You know, I do the same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, and or like when I'm boxing, one thing I love about Stephen Frank is if you come see, have you ever, have you ever no no yeah I, I try to get you to come many times you never came. One thing about Stephen Frank is if you come see him thirty days a week, thirty days a month <laughs> a week, thirty days a month, right? Every day, the routine changes, right? So, which is great because I used to have a trainer before, and we 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 he made me do the same thing for like three weeks straight, the same routine, and I got bored after a while. And then, it, plus, I wasn't seeing results. But with Steve, he was constantly. And I'm saying him because I'm not sure about other boxing trainers or MMA trainers, but he constantly changed the routine, so my body was constantly getting shocked. And in, and in the excitement of like, what we're gonna to do today, you know? And, um, and that's what I like about it. So, so that was the, even though that changed, but I like the consistency of being inconsistent. Right, yes, I, that makes, uh, it, that sounds stupid, but it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, good. No, I get it, you gotta mix it up. And then all the muscle confusion stuff, and that's good. Now, you're a guy, who I talked to, you're very well read. You got a lot of opinions on a lot of topics. You know what's going on. Are you affected by the news? Because I never feel like I see you freaking out. Like I read the news and I'm like, oh my God, you know, climate change is going to kill all of us or there's a race riot happening or the, the, Donald Trump's going to win again, whatever it is. You seem to be in the know of all these things, but it doesn't seem to change your disposition. Or maybe that's just... My perception. Well, no, I feel like I feel like you shouldn't really let these things change you completely. 
you know, unless it's happening right in your front yard. I mean, it is happening in our front yard, but I'm saying like, like the world is still going to be the way it is, but you shouldn't change unless it's for, for the better. If that makes sense. But if you're watching the news, let, like, look, if you, if you didn't, let's say you didn't watch the news and you're just happy. Then you watch the news and you're unhappy. It's like, why are you letting that affect you? That makes sense? It does make sense to me. Now, <clears throat> it's good to watch it to to because you should know. You should have information, but don't let it change your mood to a negative state where you can't. You you're raising your stress levels. You're, you're you you know you. It's it's just unhealthy. Now you know. I don't want to get too divisive and into a divisive place here because we're trying to avoid that and have a nice. Um, conversation. Well, we're going to have a nice conversation, but I don't want people to whatever. But these days, you can get shamed for that, though. Like, I'm like, the news, the social media, the news becomes too much. So I know what's going on, but I'm like, I got to take a break. And I'll read things like, oh, that's such, that's privilege. That's white privilege. That's this privilege of just ignoring the news. You get to ignore this news. And in my mind, I'm like, well, you could ignore the news obviously uh if you're poor you might you're uh inconvenience or if you're whatever whatever not whatever word i'm trying to be pc or whatever but and obviously african-american you're an african-american man it's a more dangerous situation so you got to know what's going on but isn't it still possible to avoid social media and the news and still live your life because i see things that are like people are like if you're just ignoring this or turning off the channel, this is bad or negative, but I'm like, well, I'm trying to take care of myself mentally. Well, what I'm saying is the more you're aware of who you are and you have a great hold on that. And then you also want to be righteous. There's nothing wrong with watching the news. If you don't let it change that core being and, and get you upset, like there's always going to be bad news. So it's always going to be good news. You know, how come good news don't don't affect your whole day? You know, I'm talking about good news outside of yourself. Obviously, good news. You know, you you win a million bucks. That's that's you. But I'm talking about like if someone else won a million bucks, how come that don't like you know? It seems like bad news affect our whole day. But then when we hear good news, you take it in for that moment and then you forget about it. You know, that's ask, a great point. Ask, ask anybody. Hey, did you? Do you remember any good news you heard this week? Nobody remembers, but they remember all the bad news. So it's like we're living in this world where bad is, dictates how we feel and, and what we do. It's like you don't have to. But I'm saying is you, stood, you should use it for information. You should be aware and conscious of what's going on as opposed to not, not go. But don't let that um, change your mood, you know, or do something about it. So if you hear something bad, why, how can I make, how, how can I change? How can I be better? Another thing is, I think the most important thing for all of us is, is knowledge, is education, is knowing stuff. Because most of the time, the, we, we clash because we don't understand each other. You know, why, why, why white people do this? Why black people do that? It's because we don't understand what's going on. But it, the more that we know about each other, the less I think we'll, 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 bump, we'll be bumping heads. You know, like if you're if you're white and you want to understand this whole this whole thing that we're trying to say, this whole movement that we're trying to do and create, or that we are doing, is get to know about the history of black people because sometimes, you know, 
Um, no one teaches you why black people act this way, why they're doing this. You know, uh, there's they, five things I think you should do. They, they five, five movies they could watch. This movie on Netflix called, documentary on Netflix called 13. You ever seen 13? I watched it, yes. I loved it. I loved yeah, watching um, it. You liked it? Yes, very much. I mean, it's devastating, but yeah, it's great. Um, another one called um, Racism. Wesley Gap explained. You ever seen that one? No. Is explained the racism, the, the wide gap. Sorry. Um, the third one is um, the death and life of Marshall P. Johnson. Seen that one? No. Um, Shit, I'm one for three. Time, the Caliph brother story. You seen that one? No. And last one, when they see us. Did you see that one? Hey, that sounds familiar. That one I think I might have seen. That was on the Central, Park, too. the Central Park Five. Yes. Yeah, that one I went. I saw that in the theaters. That's how good of a person I am. The theaters? No, they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a documentary. Yeah, they, at IFC. They played at IFC. They got documentaries oh, okay, in know. theaters. Um, yeah, so those will let you know about what's going on. And then, and then, I don't know, I feel like the more we know about each other, the better we can be and we won't be insensitive towards you know what we need yeah i i think that like i so i try to i watched i mean i used to be it's at times like a cable news junkie but that started to be a problem a bad habit where i'm watching it all how? day but how what did what did it do to you well after a while you just go it, it's because i agree with you what you're saying about good news and bad news but on the tv news they don't depict good news because it doesn't sell. They just want bad news. They want divisiveness. And the same with social media where I like to get a little bit of info, information, know what's going on, but too much, it can consume you because it, it's just your brain, especially social media these days, that it's like, if you post this, you're an asshole. If you don't post this, you're an asshole. And it starts to go, you know what? I got to put this down and get away from all this stuff. Yeah, but who's like, why are you letting these people tell you that you're an asshole. That's a great point. And that's something. Who's, who's telling you you're an asshole for, for like, who's, who's the asshole award giver? Well, that's a good, I mean, this is a good point. And this is what my therapist said the same thing. That's why I had to put it away and avoid it because you start to try, you're trying to do the right thing. And then each person has an opinion on what the right thing is. And eventually I have to just go, well, why don't I just continue to be me? I know who I am. I know what's in my heart. I just continue to be kind. Um, but sometimes there's people, there's, you'll see posts that are like, it's not enough to do this. Yada, yada. Everyone wants to tell you what to do. And that's where I think social media becomes very, um, right. sort of sickening. And I'd rather just step away and talk to some friends and meditate. But it, it kills me. Like how people just let social media dictate, dictate, you know, how they feel, what they like. Cause when you turn on social media off, can these people track you down? Can they say, hey, you, you didn't go on social media today and look at my posts about blah, blah, blah. Where were you? Like, you know what I'm saying? So so same thing, like, you don't have to, or, or don't don't post if you don't, if you, you could just go on social media and don't say nothing, just be a fly on the wall. Well, that's what I usually do. I mean, I post only jokes, but then you see other tweets or dialogue and stuff and it becomes, too much hey. but sometimes it's a bad habit it's like an addiction of like you're sitting there with downtime and you're like oh i'll look at my phone just to check out 
or my intention is to get some information and it ends up being overwhelming. Yeah, but I, I, I still think we do it to ourselves. You know, like you don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to let these people take over your, you, you know, your whatever. But we just do it to ourselves. No, I agree with that. That's for sure. I mean, everybody is ultimately responsible for their own actions and even their own mental health. Same like what we were talking about earlier is right. diet and habits and um, training, working out, and even mental approach. Ultimately, we're all responsible for it, not anybody else or anything else. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier about, about the cancel culture. You know, I used to think like, you know, hey, well, you messed up and blah, blah, blah. But, but also then, haven't we all messed up? You know, at some point, it's like, so why should everything be torn apart? Now, if you're sorry and you're being progressive, fine, I, you know, like, but to take away everything, is not good. Like, how's that going to help? That that also nothing. That person could still be racist. That person could still be non-progressive. Don't have to just be racist, but non-progressive. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like we got to find solutions in in helping people change. You know. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think the idea of and sometimes in our society now, there's no room for any mistakes, even. I mean, some of the, some of the cancel culture, they go back and, and find things that somebody said or did. Which is crazy. 10, or 20 years ago. Yeah, and I think that's crazy. How do you feel about that? I think it's insane. I think it's wrong. And it's, um, it's sort of strange and vengeful. And so often it comes from people that uh, identify, as you say, progressive or liberal. And I'm like, I don't think there's anything liberal or progressive about that is to fucking torch somebody for a mistake. Not, I shouldn't say torch. Maybe that's a bad use, but to, to fuck someone up for something they did or said a long time ago that oftentimes in cancel culture is from a joke. Yeah. Kevin Hart and uh, Jimmy Fallon recently and all that stuff. It's just, it's insane. I mean, it's like, we're, it's an insane thing to do. And um, yeah, it's just not an actual progressive thing to do it's it's sort of antiquated behavior to me yeah just to tear these people down and ignore the the you know the massive work they've done you know from a joke like you know obviously there's some people who who not now if you're currently thinking like this and you you, you know like there's some people now they're putting up posts you know f f black um black lives matter or racism is good Okay, yeah, those people, but but taking something someone said ten years ago, I feel like you should find out: do they still feel like this? You know, like hey, you said this like five years ago. Is that your current stance on gay people, or on black people, or on women? You know. Yeah. Well, and and I think you have to check people's intentions if they were like like for instance, Kevin Hart said whatever he said or tweeted whatever i can't oh, remember yeah. what it was but you got to check intentions of like is this guy really spreading hate is he really saying hey gay people are bad man or, or is he trying to be funny and silly in, in his way i mean i think in checking people's intentions is important, Very important. also i would also add 
it's not illegal to be racist. So if someone's posting racist stuff, you could be like, I'm blocking this guy. I'm not supporting his um, whatever, his business. I won't associate with this person. Still without, you know, um, saying we got to ruin his life. I mean, you could just go, fuck that guy. I don't like that guy and let it be without having to... Because even it's even unhealthy for you. I think the people doing the canceling, they think it's going to make them feel good. But in reality, it's just a quick, short fix. And it's going to put hate in your own heart as opposed to just going, trying to either A, educate somebody or B, going, fuck that person, blocked, ignore them. Because right. obviously there's always, and this is easy for me, I'm a white guy, so I don't know. But there's always going to be racism. And like I said, if somebody's racist and attacking minorities physically, then they need to be reprimanded in jail. But if someone's writing, I don't like black people, that's really not illegal. They're just a fucking no, asshole. No, but like I said, someone's writing that, like they writing that, then you should not support them. You should, you know, yeah, shut them down. But if they wrote that, if they writing that, but even as a joke, but they wrote that like years ago, it's like, it's like, it, you know that person could have progressed and could have changed. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's the hope, yeah. So let's say that person did progress and change and they did a lot for the community. Are you gonna are you gonna take that one tweet they said and it's, and then just ignore all they did? Because because people change. I believe people change. I believe people wanna change. Well, not anybody, but some people wanna change and they wanna do better. But if you don't allow that room, allow that room for growth, is like, it's. I think it may cause more harm than anything. Yeah, I, and I think also a lot of people that are racist or homophobic or xenophobic or xenophobic. Xen- I'm that, sorry, what's xenophobic? That's like a fear of uh, diversity. I think people from other countries. I don't know the actual definition, but people that are like, I, we can't have these immigrants coming in here. Oh well, I know that was a, I know that was a fear. <laughs> I thought they just, you know, they they were afraid that they was gonna take their jobs or something or take their wife or, well, or their. That's the thing. A lot of those people are just getting uh, misinformation. They're just they're they're being hogwashed or brainwashed, whatever you call it, hog whistled. Whatever like I said earlier, education, right? Exactly, is the key. Yeah, and I think a lot of these people that have hatred or um, fear of these groups, they're just not around them. Like when you come to New York City, people yeah. are like people are like some people are weary of Middle Eastern, a Pakistani or Afghani. I'm like, I live in like an Afghani neighborhood. It doesn't even cross my mind. They're just they're just people walking around. You know what I mean? But if you're in Omaha, right, you might be like, dude, people from Afghanistan are here. You know what I mean? Because you've just never been around someone from Afghanistan. Yeah, I know. I remember when I, when I traveled in parts of Australia. This uh, place called Arafat, Ararat, Ararat, in, in near Melbourne or something. I think I was the only black guy there, and white people were just staring at me with no. They just they would just look at me. They don't care. They don't care that I saw them looking, staring. They just stayed looking at me, <laughs> staring. You know, just couldn't believe that there's a black person there. Yeah, I mean, I guess but to see that for the first time is probably like, whoa, check it out. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? but how long you keep looking and staring? 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I would not uh, stare. I would, I would close my eyes and run away personally, but <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Now, but was there a time in your life, did you, you grew up in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Yes. East New York. Uh, and so did you grow up in a black neighborhood, mixed neighborhood or? It was when I was coming up, it was mostly white. And then you guys just bounce. <laughs> White and flight, it baby. More, it, be, it became more um, Spanish and black. Right. I was mostly white for a long time. I went to all white school. And then, um, then my mother took us out because there was kind of racist there and put us in a public school. And then the public school, I was, I guess, more relaxed. Right. I feel like it seems like you have great parents because I feel like you're a guy that just has no... Hate in your heart. I never see you being like, fuck whoever, like politically or anywhere, like even talking about politics or whatever, it never feels like you get really furious. Like I can talk I politics, I'll be livid. You seem pretty well, even keeled. Well, that's because I look at politicians like they're basically all the same. <laughs> they just, you know, most of them, they, they start out as good, but then somewhere along the line, they, they become power hungry or money hungry and they get corrupted. Not saying all politicians, but it's hard to tell who and which ones. But I can't, you know, look, regardless who's in power, man, you still gotta be the best you could be. You know what I'm saying? Like, like whether it's Trump, whether it's Obama, you still have to be, you still have to get up, you still have to work really hard. You know, you, you, there's still gonna be racism. I don't think racism is gonna go away anytime soon, you know, because you just don't change the way people think that easily. No, you know, this is like years and years of this way of thinking pass, pass on down. It's almost become, it's almost like a gene. <laughs> it's almost like, a, you know, it's part of your DNA. Yeah, I, I feel like, and this is a controversial take here, but I try to be empathetic to all people. I try to be. Often I'm not, especially sometimes when politics are involved or, or people that have hate in their heart for anybody, but I do try to be empathetic towards racist in some way in that it is a learned behavior. They're getting bad information that came from somewhere. Yeah. Somebody yeah, passed that it, to it's them. It's definitely a learn. No one's born, like, I know it's a, it's a running line, but it's like you wasn't born that way to, to hate. It was you, and if it, if it wasn't your parents, it was your friends, if it wasn't your friends, it was the movies or TV shows you watch, or the, or the media, or the, or the news stuff you watch to cast your opinion. So yes, you learn, you learn that everything in our lives is learned behavior, learn, you know, how to eat, how to walk, how to, how to, you know, whatever. Yeah, I agree. And so some people, they're just um, misinformed. They have bad info and they're getting fed this thing in that info. way. And it's like a disease. It's like they're straight, like racism is like they're stricken with a disease. And like many diseases, it's not going anywhere. But I, I, maybe I'm just a hopeful person. It does feel like we have progressed and continually progress in some ways it seems like there's blips negative it's you know what i mean it's like a, a chart that goes up and down but ultimately it curves towards the better do, do you feel like the country feels less racist now than it did 25 less years racist uh, <laughs> than it was in the 80s or or no maybe i'm being naive or hopeful i don't know there's i don't know if it's less racist because i feel like it was racist is racist but 
Um, okay. You know, you ever hear like the system is broke? Yes. Right. I don't feel like the system is broke. Cause for something to be broke, that means it was working as somewhere along the line to begin with. And then it became broke. The system was just never designed for, for black people. It was never like, like if you just do some history and, and you find, you figured out that it was never meant for us. It was always against us, you know? Right. And when I say a system, I'm talking about the police, the court and jail, you know, that's a system. And so it was designed to keep us, you know, and hold us down. So it was like, the system, you go, you're going to keep hearing these problems about, I mean, look at, look at like, have you heard the story about the, the, the black guy, white guy who raped a girl, two, two different cases, same age, they 18, they raped a girl that was 15, she was passed out drunk, the black guy got 15 years, and the white guy got parole, no jail yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, I've heard... Countless stories like that. Countless. Right. I mean, so okay. So now, did it get better? <laughs> well, like, what I mean, what what I say, it's better. Is that I think it's it's getting better in that. Um, like it's still happening today. Like why is that still happening today? Yikes. Uh, well, I'm saying, ultimately, in that. Okay, so obvi- the obvious thing of like there was slavery. There was segregation. It's not now. So that's some amount of progress. I know that's like, I'm just saying on a grand scale. So like now it feels like everyone, most people recognize now that the war on drugs has been a mistake and it was, it was designed to fuck with up black people's lives. And to me, I always use like one of the most prime examples of racism is in the eighties during the crack epidemic, people were like, lock these fucking animals up. And now there's a, a opiate addiction and people are saying, we got to get help. This is a mental health crisis. Right. I mean, that to me, and then also that cocaine in the eighties, white guys on Wall Street were all doing coke and it's essentially the same drug as crack. So, but I think, I feel like maybe it's also, I run in liberal circles. People you talk to recognize these things and people now recognize that the privatization of prisons and the war on drugs is a war against black people. You hear that that dialogue more that people now see that whereas back then they didn't. That to me is progress that we're like we got to and, and that weed is becoming why didn't, didn't see it. Why did, didn't they see it? I think they weren't getting educated on this. They were getting fed a false narrative about it. Mm. Um and I think there's less of that now. I think people I mean, we had a the most popular politician in America right now is Barack Obama. He won two terms. That alone is, could that have happened in 1975? I don't know. So that seems like a trending in a, in a better direction. I'm not, I'm not saying we're, racism is just about done. It's almost over. I mean, I'm not saying that. I just feel like we have, we are. Some people thought racism was over when Barack, Barack can't always present. You know that, right? Yeah, I mean, those people are like, yeah, well, racism is done, y'all. Let's <laughs> no, those people are incorrect, obviously. But I mean, I think the next step is, and I don't want to turn this into a completely political thing, but like the next step now, weed is becoming decriminalized. They should release people from prison that are in prison for a thing that is no longer a crime. But 
the decriminalization of some of these drugs seems like a, a progressive thing and sort of the idea of wanting to end the war on drugs seems positive? Well, well, well let's, let's use weed to, 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 to switch back to health. Do you smoke marijuana? No, I haven't done any alcohol or drugs in seven and a half years. Oh, that's good. I never ever smoke or drink. Um, but I do believe marijuana is way more healthier for you than alcohol. I would agree with that. And I, actually, there's health benefits to marijuana. I do take CBD. You ever took CBD oil? Yeah, I just started doing that recently. I was skeptical because I'm an addict, but people were like, it's fine. And so I've, I took some to fall asleep, and it's been nice. But you see, back to, again, false information. We've been, we've been fed, marijuana is bad, marijuana is wrong. You know, so I, even I was skeptic. I was like, oh, I don't know about CBD. But then if you look, if you do some research and look at, like, the marijuana is, it does have different components. It's like a person, you know, like, like there's the, there's a workout Joe, there's the podcast Joe, there's the comedian Joe. Marijuana is the same thing. Well, more or less, you know what I'm saying? Right. They get hemp, they get CBD and they get the THC out of it. Right. And the CBD doesn't fuck you up. It's, it's, it's the relaxing aspect of it. Yes. And, and when I first, I first did it, right. Last year, February, I was taking a couple of drops under my tongue. And like in two weeks, I, I, I was feeling good. I'm like, I was feeling good. I, I was fully rested. But I was getting the same amount of sleep and my diet didn't change. And I kept thinking, what did I eat? Why do I feel so good? And then, is that the CBD? And it, it was, I, I think it was a CBD because there was nothing else to my diet I, I added or any other supplements I was taking at the time. So are you still taking it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I still take it like, you know, once every two days. I was enjoying it, but then I ran out and I haven't got any more. <laughs> so, um, I got so some. You want some? Yeah, just pass it through the uh, computer here. <laughs> Um, well, we got to start to wrap up, but I always enjoy um, talking to you. Do you want to um, do you want to plug some things? What, what where can the people find you? Um, Will Sylvins on Instagram and Facebook. Will with one L S Y L V I N C E. Also, I'm working on my film. I am Maurice. You know about that? I told you about that. Yeah, a Haitian boxer that comes to America to pursue his love for boxing, and it's not even about boxing, but it's about this about the fight outside the ring of trying to be a boxer where you're so passionate about something that you're willing to do what you got to do, you know, righteously to make it happen. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, what's, what's interesting ahead. about that to me is you're that character, but with the film, you're doing what you need to do to make the movie. It's sort of like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm also not smart enough to, um, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to articulate things I want to articulate, but it's uh, like a parallel. You're doing everything you can to make the movie because you want to Anything make movies. Anything about that, but I guess so, but yes. So that, that, that's what the film is about. You know, it stands from, characters stand from real people in my life, but it's a fiction. And, um, and we did, a, tra we did a, a tiny trailer, two minute trailer to get some buzz on it. And go to gofundme.com slash I am Maurice. Maurice, M-A-U-R-I-C-E. GoFundMe.com slash I am Maurice. Yeah, go over there, folks. Throw a few bucks in there and help uh, create a, a beautiful piece of art. We got to take care of uh, artists that are trying to do things outside of this 
fucking system that's the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst, but it's a bad system. It's getting um, better though. I, 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 I forgot to say, yes, I feel like we are getting cool. When you ask me about racism, I feel like, yes, it is getting better. Yes, there was a time black people couldn't even walk down the street without being called the N-word or stuff being thrown at them or stop, you know, getting stopped and frisked like on a daily basis. Yes, it's getting better. Progress comes slow, but at least it's coming, you know? Yeah, we got a long way to go, certainly. And like I said, it's there's there's blips of negativity, but I think ultimately it trends right. up in the right direction. I hope. I would hope and, you know, I, I think like we keep saying is so much of it is um, personal responsibility. It's hard to change an entire system overnight, but if each person sort of, this is where I think mindfulness and meditation helps and, and kindness and, and um, I, don't think I, I feel like this. I know this ain't got nothing to do with, with that, but like I, another reason why I take care of myself, eat healthy is like, you know, people are always looking for the best girlfriend, the best boyfriend or, or the best mate, but we never offer the best of ourselves. You know, we offer, you know, this slot, this, this copy that's not eating healthy. That's lazy. That's, procrastinates, you know, not taking care of what they need to take care. But then we want the best people around us, but we're not the best. So it's like, I want to be the best I could be and then be around these similar type people. I love that. And that's, I mean, I think that's a great note to go out on. I mean, that is perfect. And I appreciate you doing it. I always love talking to you. You're a guy that every time I end up talking to you, I leave going, oh, that was, that was delightful. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I love you, buddy. Next slide, Joe List. Yeah, thanks, Will, man. That was awesome. I appreciate it. All right, I'm pressing stop. Right. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.